0: This is the Hack Your Wealth Podcast, episode 93. Welcome to the Hack Your Wealth Podcast, where we teach wealth building hacks for lawyers, engineers and MBAs. I'm your host, Andrew Chen. All right. Thanks so much again for tuning into the podcast. For today's episode, I invited another guest to come and share their tips and strategies and insights with us. So before we jump into that, as always, I want to invite you to join the private Hack Your Wealth Facebook group. You can access that at hackyourwealth.com slash FB. Definitely encourage you to join us there. It is a place for us to connect, have a two-way dialogue. I'm in there every single day, often multiple times a day, and I try to respond to every question and comment there. And it's a place where people can ask about financial independence, early retirement, tax strategies, real estate investing, side business income, online income, career transitions, career advice, or just ask about whatever's on their mind related to personal finance or career-related issues. Definitely encourage you to... Check that out. It's a great, friendly, helpful group of people, and we would love to have you there. Again, HackYourWealth.com slash FB. All right, let's jump into today's interview. My guest today is Tracy Winters. Since 2016, she's been the Director of Individual Insurance at Good Neighbor Insurance, an Arizona-based health insurance brokerage firm founded in 1997 that specializes in health insurance advisory and consulting for nomadic travelers, long-term travelers, expats, and traveling early retirees. I learned about Tracy and Good Neighbor Insurance from an active Facebook group on nomadic early retirement that I'm a member of, and I asked a question in that group about how other early retirees, particularly long-term traveling early retirees, deal with health insurance because, you know, getting good, affordable health coverage is a real challenge for Americans in particular because in America, health insurance tends to be tied to your job. And if you don't have a job anymore because you're early retired, then you probably don't have employer-sponsored health insurance. So what do you do for health care coverage as an early retiree, especially if you've got a long way to go before you're covered under Medicare? which itself does not cover you much if you're internationally nomadic. Anyway, most other industrialized countries don't have to deal with this problem because they have national health insurance schemes or a single-payer system or some other way that's not tied to an employer. But if you're an American, like I am, like a lot of listeners I'm sure are, then you have to solve healthcare in order to have peace of mind and actually enjoy early retirement. So when I got recommended to Tracy, I reached out to her to see if she could share any tips and advice for Hack Your Wealth podcast listeners about how to think about health insurance coverage as a traveling early retiree. So I'm really glad I was able to get her on the show to share her insights on this. So without further ado, let's jump into it. So h- how are you doing? Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, well, thank you for asking.
0: That's really great. Awesome. Um, uh, I wanted to maybe just start off by learning a little bit more about, you know, your background. I understand. So I, I actually found you. Um, I was just uh, kind of mentioning in the intro earlier because I, you know, recorded before this um, that, uh I uh, came to know your name and your your health insurance uh, brokerage from um, a Facebook group that I'm a part of where I was asking about, you know, how, how do people deal with health insurance um, uh, after they retire, especially if they're traveling nomadically long-term for, you know, large portions of the year or even the entire year. Um, and so uh, uh, I, I uh, learned about you and your brokerage from... Uh, one of the admins in the group, and so I I wanted to reach out. And so I I guess I just wanted to first start by understanding, you know, what exactly is the nature of your role at Good Neighbor Insurance?
1: So um, what I do here is I work with individuals, um, either individual people or families, families. to help them find either short-term or long-term plans for their uh, international needs. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a U.S. citizen going out, it could be for anybody from any country, Um, and there's so many different needs as far as um, budget or why you're going, where you're going, Um, and since uh, Good Neighbor Insurance is a brokerage, we work with uh, quite a few different insurance companies, so we're able to kind of take tailor our recommendations to what each person or family needs. We also have a an employer group department, like what you're used to in the U.S. if you work for a large company and you have employer group uh, coverage. So, and that's for um, U.S.-based companies that work overseas that have employees overseas. So, um, but that's that's a different department. I, I usually just help like the, the individual families.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, I'd love to get uh, a little bit more insight in terms of like, how did you like personally? How did you get into health insurance advisory work? And for listeners on the podcast who are you know interested in this topic and you know they know that how important the topic of health insurance is. Why might listeners want to pay attention to what you have to say about health insurance coverage for long term traveling early retirees?
1: Um. Uh- it's, it's really about uh, financial protection. So no, the way I got into it, I kind of fell into it. Um, I was, I, I did a lot of admin work. Um, I actually worked in hotels for 16 years. So I was used to travelers and what, what they need there. Um, so, but uh, about 10 years ago, I decided uh, hotel work was not really my forte. Hotel management was not my forte. Um, so I found um, Good Neighbor Insurance uh, just, I was just looking for something new, um, they they didn't require um, a lot of insurance background, um, which was fine. But I you know, got to working with people traveling all over the US, especially for like uh you uh humanitarianism, uh humanitarianism, um social good, uh people going overseas to adopt children, um, and just those who want to visit other cultures. Um, and the more I talk to people, it's it's exciting. And someday I can't wait to retire <laughs> and travel the globe too. Um, but it it really has been um so great to work uh, with a company like uh, good neighbor just because um, I do I do feel like I'm helping and we do help find like the best fit for especially those that maybe have pre-existing conditions that can't get covered other other ways we have we can you know at least if we can't help we know which way to go for each one of our clients
0: okay so. excellent um so maybe to just frame the discussion, to help uh, listeners kind of get into the, the right headspace, what is the mindset or like maybe the mental framework for how potential a potential pneumatic um, retiree should think about health insurance coverage? Like, for example, one philosophy might be to uh, just uh, buy enough insurance coverage to prevent a surprise medical bill from bankrupting you or forcing you to go back into the workforce. So maybe that means very limited coverage or really high deductibles, whatever the case may be. Uh, but curious if you have any like framework or right mindset that you think a potential nomadic retiree should have as they think about their uh, post-retirement health insurance options.
1: Um, There's a lot of different ways to begin the discussion when you first start planning uh, uh, your trip overseas or your trip, your move or uh, your journey. Um, So, what we'll want to know from a client first and is uh what is your current or past medical history if you have a a lot of um different pre-existing conditions or something recent um and you're going over long long term um expat insurance plans the long-term renewable plans uh, require medical underwriting so the coverage isn't automatically accepted um so we need to know um what needs to be covered or we need to know up front like are, are you going to be covered so um, so plans that may cover a pre-existing condition um, would have a higher premium so that's something to keep in mind if um, you know we've we have clients that have uh, diabetes that need regular um uh like insulin which could be expensive in the US but maybe not in other countries um so that's something to keep in mind when you're trying to um start your budget and that's another um another thing that we want to know up front like do you have a budget like is there some uh frame of your finances that you want to set aside just for the premium. And if you do want a high deductible, that's great. Some of our plans go uh, even up to $25,000. Um, all plans go up to, you know, the long-term plans go up to 5000 deductible. Some offer $10,000, $25,000. Um, another uh, thing that we'll need to know up front is do you want coverage in the U.S.? Um, so this is advisable if you do, um, if something happens and you do get uh, more serious illness, do you want to be able to come back to the US? So those are things to, just the frame of it.
0: I see. Um, you mentioned a, a, a moment ago that all the long-term plans have a deductible that, you know, 5,000 can be higher, maybe 10,000. Did you mean that those are the, the lowest deductibles or are those like more like the upper bound?
1: So, um You'll have, for all of our plans, there will be deductible options. Uh, Some of our long-term plans will go as low as uh two hundred and fifty dollar deductible for a year, um, but whereas you can have a five thousand dollar deductible, and typically it's per person, not not a family deductible. Um, so, so if you want a five thousand dollar deductible per person, um, there's that option. There's just yeah, you know, there's going to be many options when you get uh, quotes for coverage. Uh,
0: interesting. So, um, and though, so it sounds like you can sort of probably, I'm sure, pay more premium to get a lower deductible. And did yes. I also hear correctly that the option to get care in the U.S. Is, is not like automatic, it's like an add-on? Is that the right way to think about it?
1: Um, it's a choice. So uh, you can choose on most plans to exclude coverage in the U.S., which would bring your premiums uh, down significantly. Um, but yeah, it is an option for for the international uh Long-term plans.
0: Okay, um, and you mentioned medical underwriting. All the international plans that I think I heard you say uh, require medical underwriting. Yes. Can you, you know, share any insight on um, what does that entail and what are they what are they looking for?
1: So they're they're looking to keep their risk level low. Um, so for those that have. Um, Uh, like I, like the example before, for those that have a condition like diabetes, um, then we're limited on which companies will accept that person. So so they're going to look at that individual person. How much are you know how much are they going to look at at claims for this person if they take this risk on? Um, Well we have to charge a little bit more in premium to cover this pre-existing condition. Another another one that's pretty common are is those that are on like high blood pressure medication. A lot of a lot of the low cost budget plans are going to have um or can offer coverage but may exclude cardiac um which means anything to do with high blood pressure heart anything um you can get your insurance but it's not going to cover that so if you want something to cover that pre-existing condition um the uh, the insurance companies the underwriters are going to take a look uh, what is what's your actual risk like what's your dosage um you know do you have have you had a heart attack in the past or are you just is it? um so they they want to look at your medical history a little bit closer if, if you are on kind of like a maintenance medication. So essentially underwriting is just the insurance company um, evaluating the risk, their risk and covering a person with pre-existing conditions.
0: So f- fair to say that, you know, your chronic conditions are probably going to be, have less options, maybe if you had an acute condition some time ago, but is no longer there, you know, less concerning.
1: Yes, that's, that's correct. So if you were on high blood pressure medication and, um, you know, through diet and exercise got off of it uh, two years ago, you may not have any exclusions going forward. So, so it's, it's really a case by case basis, but, and and the more you tell us within limits, you know, because, uh, you know, we still we still want to uh, stay uh, HIPAA compliant um, where, you know, we you share share what is relevant. Um, but we don't want to get we don't share um, any medical history unless you give us permission to go to the insurance company on, on your behalf.
0: I see. It's a requirement, though, right? So I guess if you don't share it, then they will just say, sorry, we're not going to are you?
1: So, well, to apply for an insurance coverage, um, you do have to, uh, supply their, uh, your, your medical history. So, um, so if you, if you don't supply your, um, or provide your medical history or you don't, um, disclose certain condition or, or any condition, um, you can, um, they can actually cancel your coverage if they found that you were, you know, essentially fraudulent on an application. So applications are completely confidential between a client and the insurance company, um, and they're not shared with anyone
0: else. Do they do um, – so, like, I remember when I did – I think it was, like, life insurance. They Somebody came and took my blood and, like, had me do a, a urine test. Is, it, is there any of that stuff involved, or is it just a questionnaire?
1: It's just a questionnaire for the most part. Um, there are some – We have one insurance company that if you're over the age of 55, they're going to want to see your last uh, blood test. Uh, They want to know that you've had a physical in the last six months. So, But most um, most other plans will not ask for any other kind of medical records.
0: And nobody will come to your house. Okay, gotcha. Um, So a lot of countries outside the U.S. have... Um, you know, quite good quality health insurance for, mm-hmm. um, or rather, rather health, sorry, health care uh, provider service. Like you have the good quality care for very affordable prices. Um, and so sometimes a legit strategy might be to just plan to pay out of pocket for, you know, most routine or even most non-emergency care. Um, because, you know, again, a lot of countries outside the U.S. have pretty good health care for affordable prices. So curious if you have any thoughts about, you know, when it might make sense for a traveling retiree or an early retiree to simply say, you know what, I'll self-insure. I'll just pay out of pocket if I need care and I won't bother with paying for health insurance. Like, are there circumstances where you might advise that as a good viable strategy?
1: That's a good time to really research that the the, comp- uh, the country that you're gonna stay um, in for a significant amount of time so um, because uh, country by country even hospital by hospital it's a very fluid um, it, it can change all the time so so whereas maybe like a few years ago we had um, a client in Kenya uh, in a motorcycle accident and she had two or three surgeries and only paid $600 out of pocket. Um, And then I know uh, Italy right now is uh, very uh, uh, open to uh, visitors and tourists, um, m- many, many hospitals in Italy don't charge or will charge just a, a small fee uh, for any kind of emergency medical care. But that could, that's also hospital by hospital in I- uh, Italy. So it's good to do the research on uh, the countries you're going to or maybe staying in for a longer period of time.
0: Uh, you know, I guess on that note, uh, um, what countries... I know you said hospital by hospital, but maybe there are patterns at least at the country level. You know, what countries do you think provide good quality care for cheap? Because, you know, sometimes the care is cheap, but it's not very good. And other times it's good, but not very cheap. And in some cases, it's both cheap and also good. So curious if you have any insight on, you know, what places in the world or countries in the world have both based on, you know, all the traveling um, expats you've advised over the years.
1: From what I've heard recently, um, countries, especially in Europe, um, are pretty good right now, like Spain, Portugal, and Italy are probably the top three that have like the best health care. Um, uh, Spain and Portugal may not be the cheapest, but <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of countries in Europe right now um, are probably some of the best um, places to go for health care. Um, as, as far as low cost, that could that could change daily.
0: Okay. Um, I wonder if you might talk a little bit about sort of the range or the type of health insurance options that you might recommend for different profiles of travelers. So, you know, I had kind of like four four profiles in mind so on on from one end of the spectrum to the other someone who wants to be abroad like all their all the time like 100% of the time uh, and then the next kind of you know like rung over would be like maybe somebody who wants to be abroad the vast majority of the time but they want to come home sometimes so maybe they're abroad 90% of the time but they want to come home for like you know a couple of weeks a year a few weeks a year for major holidays for Christmas things like that and then moving over to the next rung maybe somebody who wants to split their time pretty evenly, you know, abroad versus in the U.S. And then finally, in the other extreme, somebody who wants to spend most of their time in the U.S. and basically just take long vacations, maybe, I don't know, a quarter a quarter of the year, 25% of the year. Um, I'm curious, you know, if there are differences in health insurance options that you would recommend given these type of, uh, this range of profiles.
1: Absolutely. So, for somebody who is only going to be outside of the uh, outside of the country, outside of the U.S. for only 25% of the time, um, say three or four months, it's best to stay on your U.S. health insurance on an ACA compliant plan, um, and then just use like short-term travel insurance. And we've got a myriad amount of uh, short-term travel options, um, and that that'll just cover like uh, new injuries New illnesses um, and medical evacuation while you're outside of the country, um, and you can get that per trip. You can actually we have multi multi trips. So if you're taken, if you go for a month here, come back and a month there, and then come back, uh, like a, a annual multi trips, usually a lot more cost effective. Hmm. Um, all of our long term expat plans that are renewable um, have up to six months of US coverage. So if you are going to be outside of the US, uh, for at least six months out of the year, that's when you are going to be eligible to be on a long-term expat plan. So, um, so where you're only going to be six months, that's that's when you definitely want to have that U.S. coverage, um, like we talked about before. Um, so, you do want to add that U.S. coverage that way, because um, usually international health plan health insurance plans are going to be lower cost than um, like a U.S. domestic individual. ACA Compliant Plan. Hmm. Um, so, uh, And then when you get into 90% or 100% outside of the US every year, um, that's where you want to consider uh, maybe excluding the US. If you know that's where you're going to be, um, especially for, you know, 2, 5, 10 years, um, that's definitely your goal is to be outside of the US. Um, We do have short-term travel plans back to the U.S. So if you know you're only going to be back um, for a couple weeks at a time, you can do a travel plan back to the U.S. if your international plan excludes the U.S. Uh, Just keep in mind that if you get a short-term travel plan back to the U.S., it's only going to cover you for emergencies while you're back so you can't come back to the u.s to seek treatment um but it is something to keep the cost down if you're going to be outside of the u.s 100 percent, 90 percent of the time um it's just have like an as needed backup plan for um for u.s coverage just for trips trips back home for christmas time thanksgiving
0: i see but those would only be for like if you got hit by a motorcycle and not if you i don't know Discovered a, a tumor or something like that, right?
1: Correct, correct. So, um, so it would be any new injuries, new illnesses. So, if you came back to the U.S. and and got COVID while you were back in the U.S., it, it would cover like these short-term travel plans would cover, um, cover you if you needed treatment for COVID or if you had uh, like uh, food poisoning or broke a leg, broken arm. Um, it's it's just. Any new inj- injury, new illness. But if you did come back and find a tumor, that's when you want to, you know, um, go outside of the U.S. If, if your coverage is outside of the U.S. and, you know, especially if you're in a country like like Spain that has amazing uh, health care, you can go back to Spain. You can go back to the U.K., um or whichever country you'd come from there's and i know like singapore has uh incredible uh healthcare coverage so i mean there's there's plenty of places that you can get treatment um, but if you do come back to the U.S., something like that happens, you find it. Um, you'll likely, and if you do want to stay in the U.S. for treatment, you can. You'll have to get on uh, a U.S. domestic insurance plan. So, and U.S. domestic insurance plans will cover pre-existing conditions from day one. So, if you, you know, if you want to stay back in the U.S. for treatment, that's what you would have to do. If you excluded it, if you excluded U.S. from your expat plan.
0: Right, i see. That the ones uh I forgot, but the the ones that is it the case that for if you if you were you did find yourself in that unfortunate situation and you're like I need to switch back to a US plan, the US plans cannot exclude pre-existing conditions if they're ACA plans or just all of them, just all plans now cannot.
1: If if it's an ACA compliant plan or Obamacare plan, um they cannot exclude pre-existing conditions.
0: Okay. Um and uh You mentioned, I think that you mentioned that uh, the long-term, like if you're spending vast majority of your time abroad or even all of your time abroad, the long-term international health plans tend to be a lot cheaper. I was wondering if you could comment why that is. Is that just because the cost of care is is lower in other countries?
1: Yes, for for most countries. So um, I do have one plan that's going to exclude countries like singapore and china and um taiwan just because they have uh their their medical costs are so much higher um uh, they're comparable to the costs in the u.s so um but most plans as long as you exclude the u.s um it's just the u.s and canada sometimes um but but yeah it's just because the cost in the u.s is is so much higher
0: I see. So, d- does the premium amount depend on where you're going, such that you actually have to stay in those countries, like you can't just be truly nomadic, or is it? Are they more plans that cover everywhere, maybe with a few ex- country exclusions? What's the right way to think about that?
1: Um. So, when you apply for a long-term coverage, you do have to. Um, have a destination in mind. So even if it's a temporary destination, even if you're going to um, maybe just going to be in New Zealand for a couple of weeks, and you have an Airbnb address, you do have to have that. And um, some plans do base their rates on what country you're going to, um, but for the most part, as long once you're started, you can be anywhere in the world. Um so unless you're back in the u s that's the only time that that's uh an an issue or that the insurance company needs to know once you come back to the u s and you plan on staying in the u s then you wouldn't you actually wouldn't be eligible for a, an international plan any longer but no, nope, you can be truly nomadic. you just have to have a start country
0: Th- then how is that not a totally i guess totally hackable because if a lot of plans say will exclude something like Singapore or Taiwan or something. And then you have your Airbnb address in New Zealand. Uh, You go there for a month. And let's actually, let's let's remove like, I don't know, like, you know, hacking intent. But like, let's say you went there for a month and you're like, you know what? I haven't figured out what my next destination is, but come week four rolls around. You're like, Singapore sounds nice. Why don't I go there? Even though you would not have been able to buy an insurance plan for Singapore had you started out there. Like... Surely, insurance companies know that. How, how how is that you know? I guess allowed if you can be truly nomadic.
1: So unless the country is actually excluded like the like the one plan that we have that does exclude like if you exclude the us you exclude singapore you exclude china um so that's the only plan that if you do do decide to go to singapore you're just not going to have coverage Mm -hmm. um so with the insurance companies um they will um there it's worldwide coverage um mm. unless you exclude the u s it's going to be worldwide no matter where you go so it's it's not really um it's not an issue whatsoever um you can you can be anywhere in the world um they're just gonna base the rate on the address that you provide so a lot of people use a friend or family members that's maybe based in Spain um and that's completely fine um every insurance company is um uh, and we've double checked because that's what we do as a brokerage. We double check, make sure everything is copacetic with the, with the insurance companies. Um, but they they've all confirmed nope. As long as you have an address outside of the U.S., you can be anywhere in the U.S. and have coverage as long as that covered that country is not excluded from the start.
0: I see. So I think what I understood is that um, it's it's not really hackable because the Plan will just specify in the terms which countries are excluded, and if it's just written out that it's excluded, you just can't go there and be covered. Is that correct. right?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, I gotcha. Um, I was also curious. Uh, so, how how does the claims process work? In that you know, globally there there could be millions and millions of providers. There's no way that the insurance company has relationships with everybody in the world, especially one that's global. So. Are you, is the patient meant to always just pay out of pocket first and then try to get a reimbursement later? or are there any, like are there direct relationships with some providers and not others? Like, how does that work?
1: That is a great question. For the most part, if it's something minor, say under $1,000 dollars, like it's a medical treatment it's under thousand most, uh, dollars. most international insurance companies will want you to pay out of pocket um so and then submit a claim for reimbursement of course less whatever your deductible is um if it's anything emergent or is something major you have to have surgery you have to be hospitalized overnight um and it looks like your medical bills could be um uh, quite quite high over a thousand dollars um you call you or a family member or even some, a staff at the hospital, they get in contact the a 24 hour emergency number for the insurance company. The insurance company can then um, set up a promise to pay that hospital directly if needed. Um, most of uh, uh, our three major insurance companies that we work with actually do have direct billing with quite a few international hospitals. So you have, um, because we do work with a company like uh, GeoBlue, um, which is, uh, you know, which blue cross blue shield is what we're used to here in the us but GeoBlue is very global we also work with cigna global and those are the top two international insurance companies and they do have uh, direct billing with major hospitals but if you go in for an earache you're just just pay out of pocket and um, submit the claim Um, and most claims are done uh, digitally so you can do um, uh, you can do it by email and a lot of uh, insurance plans have member portals that you would be able to download any documents. So I always recommend getting an itemized uh, medical uh, Uh, like a receipt. So it shows line by line what you got the treatment for. If you can get any medical records while you're there, um, because if you're traveling, especially if you're nomadic, um, it'd be hard to try to go back if you're already in the next country that you're planning on going to, to try to get medical records after the fact. So you just make sure you got everything, but, but yes, when in doubt call the 24 hour insurance um, emergency number.
0: I see. So, to ask them, like, if I want to get this surgery done, let's say, um, you know, can, can I set up a direct billing? Like, call them to ask that type of question. Yeah.
1: So you can actually pre-certify. So, um, and then when when usually and pre-certification is really just to, uh, for the insurance company to know uh, that it's medically necessary that you're not just um, going in for some kind of elective surgery, um. So you don't have to pre-certify with every single company, but if you know you're going, if you're scheduled to have surgery, it is best to have that set up. You can have the insurance company contact the hospital directly. They can work that out prior to, um, and some companies will also, um, you know, provide a letter, um, like a letter, you know, it's, this is covered. Um, and, but yeah, yeah, the insurance company will work that out
0: how can the patient know in advance like which hospitals have that relationship? Because I can imagine like, let's say you're traveling in the UK and there's not, I think not all the hospitals have like billing departments even. And there's like, what, where's your NHS, NHS card? And you know, like, what are you talking about billing? Like, how, how can, is there a website on the insurer's webs? You know, is there, can, can patients log into the insurer's website to find like a list by country of all the relationships they have and maybe do some planning that way? Or how, how does that work?
1: Yes, um, most of the companies that we work with have like a um, a, a provider search. It's not necessarily like um, a preferred provider search in the US um, uh, although it's on there too. So if you're looking for a PPO in the in the US for a, a doctor in your city, um, it's something to that um, something to that effect. but yes, there are the three major ones um IMG, uh, GeoBlue, and Cigna all have provider inter, international provider searches so you can find the hospital that already has a direct billing relationship
0: gotcha and i think you um you were alluding to this a moment ago but is there a concept of like in network versus out of network or is it just all one
1: outside of the us it's all one you can go to any any hospital any licensed physician you can go to
0: okay um I was also curious like are these are the insurance companies that, you know, issue international policies? Are these for the most part American companies or are they do they tend to be like like companies that have foreign headquarters that are just doing business in the US?
1: GeoBlue IMG um and another company that we work with Azimuth, they are all US based. Uh Signa Global is actually out of uh the UK. Um but yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit and talk about uh, ACA plans, and I was just curious if you have any insight. This might be orthogonal, but I just don't have a good way to think about it. Like, curious what coverage options do ACA marketplace plans provide if you you know, were going to be a nomadic retiree? I'm sure it probably depends a lot on what state you're domiciled in, but are there any general insights you have for listeners on whether, whether they can even utilize an ACA marketplace plan? Uh, for health insurance as a traveling retiree? And if so, how?
1: Um, That's kind of where cost is going to come into play. So, um, and especially if you have a pre-existing condition and you can't get on an international plan. Um, So, so, yeah, it is state by state. um, uh, And most ACA compliant plans, as long as you're paying the premium, um, you can keep your coverage, even though you're outside of the U.S. for a certain amount of time. Um, and so, yeah, so the the only time I would recommend it is if you're going to be um, uh, in within the U.S. six months or more, you'll want to keep an ACA compliant plan. Um, or if you have pre existing conditions that you want to come back. Um, but, but yeah, it is state by state. Um, and you really have to know your costs and, and just keep in mind, um, there are, Uh, Open enrollment is only at the end of the year for January 1st. Um, There are special enrollment periods. Um, If you change your address, uh, so if if you've been outside of the US for six months or more, um, and and you've moved back as long as it's been within 62 days, or say you've been outside of the US and you've been on a, a, a expat plan um, and your coverage ends June 1st and you've moved back to the US, well, you're, you, you're losing your health insurance. So you would be um, uh, eligible for like a special enrollment period because, because you've uh, lost your insurance and you need to get back on.
0: So. I see. So, but just to be clear, is a general matter? Can ACA plans actually be used for care outside the U.S. or or, or no? As no. a general general matter, no.
1: Generally, no.
0: So you would still have to anyway. I think you were saying then you can buy the ACA plan, but probably only worthwhile if you're here at least half of the year and in the other half you would just have to buy a supplement. Correct. Equipment. And
1: you can have the ACA compliant plan and then just use like the, the travel medical uh, plans that would cover new injuries, new illnesses while you're outside of the U.S. and also include the medical evacuation. And okay. we do have medical evacuation only plans. So if that's something where you just want to go and want to make sure that you can be evacuated directly back to the U.S. to your hospital of choice, we can uh, we can help with that too.
0: I see. Okay, um, Medicare. So for seniors who are already on Medicare, how should they think about Medicare coverage if they also want to be nomadic or at least long-term traveling? And in what ways is your Medicare coverage Im- impacted by you know, spending large portions of your time abroad?
1: So part of A and Part B, which are the ones that you automatically want to enroll in when you turn 65, um, those are not affected at all. So if you're outside of the U.S., uh, nothing is affected by that because those are federal. It does you don't have to stay Um, if you do have Part C, which would cover anything that Part A and Part B, Part A is hospitalization, Part part B is like your your outpatient, your labs and, and things like that. Part C covers everything else the part C is state by state. So if you are on, uh, if you do have part C and your home state finds out that you're not you, you've been outside your state for three six months at a time um that's when they can cancel that and the, so that's the only that's really the only part medicare part that would really be affected if, if you're outside of the u.s for an extended period of time um so but if you do plan on keeping part a and b um you can you know maybe just do the emergency coverage and have or just a medical evacuation coverage which which uh, we do have quite a few um of our clients that have opted for that to just have a medical evacuation coverage so they can come back to the u.s um and get treated here in the u.s where their medicare is going to take care of them there is um there is a plan under part c Um, If they're just traveling um, and they're not they're not going to be affected by being outside of the U.S. because they're only traveling short term. Um, There is a plan that you can uh, choose that covers international travel. But this uh, this plan that does cover the international travel on Medicare only covers up to fifty thousand dollars lifetime. Uh, has a twenty percent co-insurance and a two hundred and fifty dollar deductible, which means it's really one and done. So if you pl- choose to get that that plan under Part C for the international, and you go to the Caribbean on a cruise and you have to go to the hospital um, because you know, you have to have surgery on a leg, it's really that's all you're ever going to use. Um, and now you're out of pocket ten thousand dollars because of that because you have that deductible. But we have short term travel plans that can kind of uh, compensate, uh, like to be a little bit additional coverage for those short term, um, you know, especially for seniors.
0: I see. So, I guess for Part C then is basic strategy. If I know I'm going to say spend three quarters of my year abroad, to just not buy a normal Part C supplement and instead do part a part b and then just you know go to you for example and buy an international plan and that then that's the, the extent of it
1: that would be advisable so because there's there's no um uh and it, this is really uh not in my wheelhouse so like medicare got go- uh, medicare gov is really the best plan, best website. It's a really good website for government website um, to to get more information on this. Um, but but yeah, part A, part B, and and also part D are are not affected, and you can keep that coverage. Um, and then if you want something supplemental while you're outside of the U.S., we can do. Um, th- that's when you want to get the the expat plans or a travel plan that doesn't cover the U.S., so you're not paying the addition premium.
0: I see. So like, if I was, you know, my first year of Medicare, let's say, and I'm like, go, go, go. I want to, I want to travel. And, you know, I, I buy international insurance for like my, to cover my part C part, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after a few years, I'm like, you know what, I'm tired. I'm ready to plunk down and, you know, just play golf all day in my home state. Then I could still do open enrollment and get a normal part C plan, I think. Right.
1: I believe so, but I'm not the best person to ask
0: that. No worries, no worries. So
1: but yeah, I, I think you you'd have to check, um you'd have to check within your home state, um, to see uh like what's available for part C.
0: Can I ever use my part A and B abroad, or is that only if I'm inside of the US?
1: Only inside
0: the US. I see. Uh interesting. So it's not affected, but it also doesn't do me much good outside.
1: Correct. Correct. You still have to, um, uh, you still have to pay for Part B or Part D um, while you're outside of the U.S. Um, but it's not effective. You I, you keep it forever as long as you're you're paying for uh, Part A is um, is automatic and, and there's no charge for for the Part A that's already paid for. But Part B and Part D for uh, D is the prescriptions. Um, there there is that additional. That uh, charge that you have to pay.
0: Okay, um, I wanted to talk a bit about repatriation. How should folks think about like when it's worthwhile to repatriate back to the U.S. to get medical care versus staying, you know, in country and uh, getting it abroad?
1: um it really will depend on the situation so um and and repatriation evacuation um is something that's very very important um for, for uh, you know good, our brokerage here good neighbor um, that every single policy that we have includes evacuation re- repatriation so um now with evacuation Um, This is covered when it's a life-threatening or life or limb-threatening situation, you're in the hospital, maybe you're in an area that doesn't have the best coverage, Um, you know, maybe you're in Luxembourg and they want to take you to France, so um, that's when the insurance company in the hospital will work on getting you um, across borders to get you the the best and nearest hospital for treatment, and most evacuations are always going to take you there, Um, so if you do have to have a medical evacuation, every single one of our insurance plans, uh, once you're released from that hospital that you were evacuated to, you will then have the choice to either go back home to the US if you want to keep recovering in the US, or you can go back to where you were evacuated from. Um, if you so if it's something that's maybe um not immediately life threatening, but if if you do get um you know an unfortunate diagnosis um and do want to come back to the US for treatment, um that would be your own responsibility to go home if you did want to repatriate um, just and a lot of times people do want to have that emotional support of family and friends here in the U.S. Um, so so that's when you want to come back to the U.S. Uh, but again that's that would be your own responsibility if it's not a life or limb threatening
0: situation. Uh, I want to circle back to life or limb in a moment, but uh, are evac and repatriation different benefits, or are they one and the same in the eyes of insurance companies?
1: They are different benefits. The evacuation is uh, going to be um, when you're in a hospital that is not going to give you the care that you need, or they're not able to provide the care that you need. I I like to compare it often. If you're in a car accident here in the U S and say you're a block away from a hospital, but that hospital doesn't have a trauma s- center that, that, and the ambulance isn't going to take you to that hospital because it's not going to be the best one. So, or, or maybe they take you there just to get you stable, but then they're going to transport you to the hospital. It's going to be the best for you. So it's kind of how the eva- that's how evacuation will work. If you're in a hospital that does not have the services that you need, that's when the insurance company and the hospital are going to work together to say, "Yes, we're going to get you evacuated." Most medical evacuations can take place in- within 24 to 48 hours. They will get you to where you need to go. Um, repatriation is usually after the fact. So, um, so if you're medically evacuated um, and you're, you're, you got the treatment in the hospital that's going to take care of you, um, then the repatriation, uh, sometimes it's included in the evacuation coverage, um, but sometimes it's a different benefit. It just depends on the plan, um, but either way, it's going to be covered. The repatriation is covered. It's, the, the policy wording is going to be a little bit different plan to plan, um, but it's always going to be included.
0: I see. Is sorry. Is the simpleton way to think about repatriation basically then that you know once you're stable, we'll buy you an airplane ticket home. Is that the right?
1: That's correct. So
0: mm-hmm. if if you were really life or limb and you then avail, you actually make use of the repatriation benefit, and you were like you only had, you only had long term international insurance because you were say living abroad uh, most of the year. They drop you off on the doorstep in the U.S. But you don't have health insurance coverage here. So what happens next?
1: So that's um, so if you've chosen not to have the u s. coverage, um then that's when you'll have to get on an ACA compliant plan just as quickly as you can. Um, and that's also why the insurance companies give you the choice to go back to where you came from. So so, if you were in Luxembourg and went to to France, um they say do you want to go back to the US or do you want to go back to where you are. Um that's why they that's why they give you the choice.
0: I see. Um okay, and then you mentioned, you know, life or limb conditions. Uh what are the t- that may sound like it's very obvious, but I can kind of squint my eyes and think of maybe some scenarios where it's maybe not so obvious. So I was c- curious if you could uh, shed some more light on what qualifies and what doesn't.
1: So, um, a lot of times it's case by case. I, we, you know, I know we had, um, a client that was in, um, I believe South Africa and the insurance company decided that they wanted to get, they wanted to bring them back to the U S. Um, but it was like, um, it was, a uh, Uh, I think like a back injury. So it was a spinal injury um so they did evacuate that person back to the US so so not it was maybe not necessarily life threatening but it's really going to like this is if it's urgent and very serious medical care they're going to do the evacuation so um but we've we've also had people that maybe broke their leg and um uh, they just you know, the it, and they could have lost their leg if they didn't get the correct sort the re- the correct orthopedic surgery um, um, and then they'll get evacuated to the nearest and best hospital that would cover that surgery. So, um, so it's really going to be a case by case basis, and the insurance company will work directly with the with the hospital to make sure that um, that that person's getting the care they need.
0: I see. Interesting. Um, <laughs> sorry, this may sound really naive, or I don't mean to be melodramatic, but um. You have to, I guess, be conscious to make the evacuation election, right? Like if you were in a car crash and now you're in a coma, then you're just up to the good Samaritan graces of whoever found you. Is that I, I think that's probably right, right?
1: to a point um just uh just like the pre-certification the emergency contact um somebody from the hospital can call the insurance company as long as they have your information um or, or if you know if if you're you know a couple and it's it's your husband then you know you can um, the wife can call on the husband's behalf. So, so uh, no, you don't have to do that yourself. Um, as long as the hospital has the insurance company's information, um, and then they can take care of that for you.
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh, and then lastly, you said that uh, all the plans that you guys offer in your brokerage have um, evac and repatriation. Is it generally included in just most expat, long-term traveler health insurance plans full stop? Uh, or just the ones that you guys work with happen to have all have it, but if you go to the broader marketplace, you know, it might be hit or miss. Which, which of the two is it?
1: Um, I think for the most part, a lot of them are going to include it now. Uh, I believe um, a Cigna is, is the only one that's optional that we work with. So um, you can choose to not have it. If we quote Cigna, we are always going to quote it with the medical evacuation coverage.
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh, Tracy, I think that's all I have. Where can people find out more about you and your work and services?
1: So um, if you look at Good Neighbor Insurance, um, you can email us at info at um, We're here Monday through Friday. Uh, and then info will come to me and also come to um, uh, my uh, my partner, in Crime Gabby here. She can answer any of your expat or in, you know, individual insurance questions. Uh, uh, questions that you may have.
0: All righty. Thanks so much, Tracy. Look forward to sharing this out with uh, our listeners. Take care.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was fun.
0: All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's guest interview and got a lot of value and insights from it. If you like this episode, please hit that subscribe button to get new episodes automatically sent to you. Would love for you to not miss any episodes because the Hack Your Old podcast has a mix of action packed solo shows where I walk you through specific strategies and tactics step by step, as well as guests who share their expertise about specific areas of personal finance, and finally, profile interviews of business owners who are trying to turn their side hustles into fully financially self sustaining passive income streams. We break down exactly what they do, how they do it, and how much they're earning. So be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss any of that great content. Also would love if you could help me out and take 30 seconds to go to Apple podcasts and leave a podcast review. It helps to support this podcast and it helps other people who are looking for topics like this, find the podcast. And I really appreciate it. If you could take a minute and just leave an honest review. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the hack your wealth podcast with Andrew Chen. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and check out hackyourwealth.com for all our latest content.